do something just a little different with the liturgy this morning for communion in light of what I'm preaching on. Tyler and I are going to go ahead and share now in the liturgy before I preach. Tyler, if you'll come and remind you as he's coming up that in United Methodist Church we have open communion. If you're busy with us, you're welcome to come and share in communion in just a moment. You don't have to be a member of our church. We simply invite you. If you choose to abstain, we respect that as well. But we want you to know you're welcome to come participate in communion if you're busy with us. We invite you to come. Our liturgy is found on page 12. Normally we share the liturgy right before communion, but it'll make sense in just a moment as I share the sermon. But we want to go ahead and share in the liturgy right now on page 12 and then page 13. Tyler. Christ our Lord invites to his table all who love him, who earnestly repent of their sins and seek to live in peace with one another. Therefore, let us confess our sin before God and one another. Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbor. We have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Hear the good news. Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. That proves God's love toward us. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. In the name of Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. Glory to God. Amen. We will continue on page 13 underneath the great thanksgiving. The Lord be with you. Also with you. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give our thanks and praise. It is right and a good and joyful thing always, everywhere, to give thanks to you, Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And so with your people on earth and all the company of heaven, we praise your name and join their unending hymn. Holy, 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 holy Lord, Lord, God, how mighty. Heaven and earth are full of your glory. Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Holy are you and blessed is your son Jesus Christ. By the baptism of his suffering, death, and resurrection, you gave birth to your church, delivered us from slavery to sin and death, and made with us a new covenant by water and the Spirit. On the night in which he gave himself up for us, he took bread. He gave thanks to you. He broke the bread. He gave it to his disciples, and he said, Take and eat. For this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. When the supper was over, he took the cup. He gave thanks to you. He gave it to the disciples, and he said, Drink from this, all of you. This is my blood of the new covenant, poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. And so in remembrance of these, your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we offer ourselves in praise and thanksgiving as a holy and living sacrifice in union with Christ's offering for us as we proclaim the mystery of faith. Christ has died. Christ is risen. Christ will come again. 
pour out your Holy Spirit on us gathered here and on these gifts of bread and wine. Make them be for us the body and the blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ, redeemed by his blood. By your Spirit, make us one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world until Christ comes in final victory and we feast at his heavenly banquet. Through your Son, Jesus Christ, with the Holy Spirit in your holy church, to all honor and glory is yours, Almighty Father, now and forever. share with you that on Thursday evening, of course, we had communion, and that's one of the largest crowds we've had on Thursday. There were almost 50 people here, and uh, again, communion always has its always its unique anointing, and that was the case on Thursday evening, and then on, on Friday at Ladle of Love, from time to time, we offer communion to all those that were feeding on Friday, and many of them do not participate, but we offer it to them, and the ones who do set up the altars in the gym, and, and uh, as they had their meal, they came, some of them did, and uh, I tell you, there were a couple of African-American ladies, I, I don't know their names, but they, they had a worship service right there in the middle of the gym. They were just shouting and praising God as they shared in communion, and, and there's always a unique anointing that comes with communion, and I'm believing that it'll be the same in this service as it was earlier this morning. The title of the sermon is a crazy one. I'll make reference to it, and then we're going to move on from it, and I won't ever mention it again. But the name of the sermon is Achy Breaky Heart. Some of you will know that Billy Ray Cyrus made that song famous. I have no idea to this day why it became so popular, but I thought about getting a wig with a mullet and sang, sing a lot. Listen, I'm getting Russ fired up over here. I decided not to do that, though. That would be a little out there. But now that I got your attention, I do want to talk about our broken hearts. Our hearts sometimes that just ache. Now, that's the last reference I'll make to the song. I will never mention it again. But I do want you to think about your heart, and I'm about to read a couple of scriptures that, um, that speak about the broken heart, and Jesus wants to heal our brokenheartedness. He wants to come and take care of that ache that we have within. Now, all of us have broken hearts. We all know too well the pain of a heart that does ache, especially when it comes to the understanding of sin, because we know the Bible tells us in Romans, for, for all, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so we know, we in the church know that we have been affected and we have been infected by the fall. Go all the way back to Genesis and the fall, and Adam and Eve sinned, and, and as David declares to us, we're all even now mortals. So we come in with a broken heart. I wonder sometimes how Adam and Eve explained sin to Cain and Abel. Sons, mom and daddy, we were the first ones. I, I, don't, I don't know. But we know that this is the problem that we humans have. And so God had a plan from the foundation of the world that, that he would prepare this table. He knew that he would have to redeem us from ourselves. And he would have to be the one to cleanse us and, and deal with our brokenness. There were two scriptures this morning 
read one as a word of grace. I want to read it again. Both of these talk about the broken heart. So Psalms 147, verses 3 and 4. And as the week went on, I added verse 4. At first I didn't have it, but then I added it. So verse 3 in Psalms 147 says, He heals the brokenhearted and He binds up their wounds. Let that settle in your thoughts. God heals the brokenhearted and He binds up our wounds. So He, he declares we're brokenhearted, we're wounded. Then I, I added verse 4 because I thought, why, Lord, would you put that following? You're going to heal our broken heart. And then he says, he counts the number of the stars, and he calls them all by name. And the more I thought about it, I thought, how beautiful that is. That after he's just mentioned about our broken hearts and our woundedness, he reminds us, hey, just want you to know, I have numbered every star, and I have a name for every one of them. And if I can do that, I can deal with your broken heart. Powerful statement, isn't it? So he counts the stars. He knows every one of them and has a name for them. He knows your name. He comes to heal the brokenhearted and to bind up our wounds. And then Jesus in Luke, the fourth chapter, Luke, the fourth chapter, verses 16 and 21, Jesus walks into the synagogue where he grew up in Nazareth. This is how the text reads. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and he stood up to read. Don't, don't miss that, that God Almighty, Jesus in human form, went to church regularly. That was his custom. Went to the house of God, be with God's people in the synagogue. Verse 17, it says that he was handed, Jesus was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And the place that he found, we know as Isaiah 61. So he opened the scroll and intentionally opened it to Isaiah 61. So you can read the rest of Isaiah 61, but this is what Jesus read while standing in the synagogue. Verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. He has sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. You have seasons in your life that you just feel oppressed. You need somebody to come and just set you free. Set at liberty those who are oppressed to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, he gave it to the attendant, and he sat down. And I, I would love to have been there to watch all this, because the next line says, and the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. I loved being there. Everybody's watching. He's just read, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And I prayed this week, God, let the Spirit of the Lord be upon us today in the church. Let the Spirit of the Lord come because there's healing when we come and we desire to be in the presence of the one who, who has named the stars, the one who's declared that I know you have a broken heart, but I've come to heal you. I've come to set you free. And I pray that you'll sense his Spirit and his presence here today. Sometimes there's just healing. 
rest of the story is that they, by this end of Luke 4, Jesus declares that this, this gospel that he's preaching is to everybody. Some of them in the synagogue didn't like it. By the end of chapter 4, they're ushering him outside of town and fixing to throw him off a cliff. This one who came to heal all who will come to him. Come unto me, all your burden heavy laden, and I will give you rest, Jesus said. Last week, I ended the sermon with a very simple story. I'm not going to tell the whole story, but if you weren't here last week, let me give you just the gist of it. I was amazed at how many people came to me after church, sent me a text on Facebook, called my wife, and said what that simple story meant to them. I want to just share the gist of it. The story was about a little three-year-old girl, if you recall. Her dad was an Episcopal priest, and she came running into the barn where he was early that Sunday morning before church, and she was holding in her hand a double-edged razor blade. She had it in her little pudgy hand, and the story goes, he obviously wanted to remove that from her, but he wanted to hurt herself. He had to talk with her very gingerly, and eventually... He was successful and he coaxed her into letting go of the razor. I ask the question and I ask it again in a different way. Are you and I holding on to something that Jesus desires to remove from our lives? What is in that broken heart of yours that you need to let go of? The scriptures above remind us that we are broken. We're wounded, all of us. In Matthew, the fourth chapter, verse 23, and also in Matthew 9, 35, the text tells us in Matthew 4, 9, that Jesus came preaching, teaching, and healing. He continues that ministry today. He comes in our presence with preaching and teaching, but also with healing. How can Jesus heal you today? What is it you need to let go of? What can he do for your broken heart? Maybe you need to be set free from captivity. That which binds you. He wants to set us free from oppression. Although we do experience it. I do. I did even this week. And how God's presence comes sometimes is through his word. Those of you know in the Bible study, and I shared this with y'all, Wednesday, but we're in uh, Haggai. It's going to be in Malachi this coming week. But in Haggai, I had taken Dave to dialysis, and I got home, and he and I had prayed and talked. And when I got home, I was just feeling heavy, and and I was looking back at my notes. I was ready to teach on on Haggai, but I read Haggai two five, and it led me. Perhaps some of you could receive this today too. Wednesday morning in our home, I sat there and I wept. God was saying this to the remnant as they'd been in exile. They'd been oppressed. Haggai 2.5 says, My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. My spirit remains among you. Do not fear. What do you need to bring to Jesus today? Perhaps it is sin. You're holding on to some sin and I'm going to throw out a few suggestions. Perhaps it's pride. Maybe it's unforgiveness. Is it some form of, of sexual sin that you just won't let go of? 
is it some form of past pain or maybe a past hurt that maybe now has festered and formed anger and even hate? All of these things wound our heart. What are you holding on to? Let go of it. Let go of it. The body and the blood of Jesus can heal us, clean us, redeem us, and even the ability to restore our soul. Let me quote the 23rd Psalm. The Lord, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures, and He leads me beside the still waters. You know what the next line is? Because you see now He's got us in His presence. Lying down in green pastures, and He's leading us beside those still waters. And then it simply says, He restores my soul very core, the very being of who we are, our heart, all those issues within, He restores. I took a healing class, and I've shared this before, but in light of us, what we're about to do, I took a healing class at Asbury Seminary, and it, it was an elective. It turned out to be one of my favorite classes. It was taught by Dr. Don Demeray, great man godly man, we, we affectionately called him Dr. Don. He taught the class. The class setting is a chapel up there at Asbury Seminary. And when you enter the room, the, the communion table is sitting in the middle of the room and there's an altar, an oval altar that goes all the way around the communion table. There is a gate that will swing open and the person serving communion come, in, come inside the altar. So oftentimes our classes were around that table. In fact, sometimes we would just enter in and Dr. Don would just say, come and kneel and he would have communion ready. And I don't think we had communion every time, but almost every time we had communion. And he, and he taught about healing and so forth. And one of the things that he encouraged us to do was from time to time to just emphasize and have specific healing service. Just, just talk about healing. Because remember, Jesus came teaching, preaching, and healing. I promise you, it's not because I understand everything about healing. I am a wounded duck among other wounded ducks. We don't talk about and pray for healing because we understand everything about it. We do it because He's the healer. I came to heal the brokenhearted. I came to bind up their wounds. I'm going to read to you in James 5. It's one of the one reference to about anointing with oil, and there's nothing in the oil. This is what the text says in James 5, 14 and 15. It asks a simple question. Is anyone among you sick? And so James asked that to those believers that he was pastoring. Is anyone among you sick? Then let him call for the elders and let them pray over him and anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith, now listen to this. Again, there's nothing magic in the oil. I call the oil just a, it's just a symbol of an agreement. The fact Oddly enough, you know, Jesus that we know of, we don't see that he anointed anybody with oil. Most of the time, he anointed with saliva and mud. So Tyler and I are not going to do that this morning. But he did say here to anoint with oil. And so you do not have to anoint with oil every time you pray for somebody. Absolutely not. This morning, we're going to offer that as a part of communion. The next verse 
after calling for the elders of the church to anoint with oil. Listen to what it says. And the prayer of faith will save the sick. And the Lord will raise him or her up. And if he or she has committed sins, they will be forgiven. That's interesting that we just ask, is any among you sick? And now we're talking about their sins will be forgiven? It's because this one who can count the stars, the one who can call them by name, knows everything about us. And so when we come into his presence for healing, he knows everything about us. So he knows us emotionally, psychologically, sinfully. He knows everything about the brokenness we're in. And so when he heals, he always looks at the whole person. still wants to heal the broken parts of us. I shared with y'all last week, I had pulled a book off my shelf from John Eldridge, Waking the Dead, written 10, 12 years ago. I went back this week and, and looked up a chapter titled, Deep Restoration. Within the chapter, John Eldridge prays several short prayers, and some he gleaned from others. So what I did, I gleaned from those prayers, and I have created a prayer that I'd wish to read now as we enter into communion. What we're going to do is we'll still serve communion in the same way. We have two different servers that are going to come up. And they will, they will serve like we normally do when you come down. And they'll begin in the middle and, and uh, they'll serve you. And then what Tyler and I are going to do, we have oil. And if you want to be anointed with oil, so after you take communion, you just place your hands right there. If you'd like to be anointed with oil, that'll let us know. And we're going to simply follow behind those that are serving. We'll just take some oil and place it on your forehead and agree with you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit for whatever healing we're coming for. You may want to intercede for somebody else. That's when you'll die. Here's the prayer that I created along with John Eldridge. Receive this prayer. Jesus, I come into your presence now. I ask you to surround me. I give myself to you, body, soul, and spirit. I give my heart, including the broken places in me. Jesus, come and lead me in healing this brokenness of my heart. Speak to me now, Lord. Shine your light here. Shine your light here. Jesus, forgive me for the ways that I have mishandled my brokenness. Forgive me for all of my self-protection and my self-redemption and for all of my false you alone make me dwell in safety. Cleanse my heart in every sin by your shed blood. Jesus, come now and do as you have promised to do. Heal my broken heart and set me free. I bring to you my wounds. I bring to you my sin. I bring my life into your presence. As I come to communion, I remember your sacrifice of blood and body. Do for me what only you can do. Heal me. Amen. And with that, that is our invitation to come and share in communion with you. Again, as you come, and I'll invite Tyler to come on, and he and I will share together in communion. And I'll ask those couples that are coming to help us serve, if you'll go ahead and make your way to the altar.